All right, so HR1. There's uh, a lot of fanfare about this bill and for good reason from what I understand, although um, I'm gonna be honest and tell you I haven't read it yet. And uh, let me try to, if I can, show you why I haven't read it yet. Let's see if I can share that. All right. So this bill is ironically entitled, by the way, if you go to govtrack.us, uh, it's called the For the People Act. Um, and if that's the case, my question is, well, I have a lot of questions, but my question is really pretty simple for which, for which people, who, for me, uh, for my neighbors on the street, um, for any other Americans, like, which people, cause it's certainly not, it's certainly not for the common person. It's just, that's just not the case based on, on what I've heard, both from proponents, that is the people authoring the bill. Of course, this probably came from some think tank that's, you know, both sides of the aisle. That's most of the time how it works. But, and I'll tell you that I believe that's the case because this bill is like 688 pages. Uh, but still, I mean, like my, my question is for, for who? So we'll look through, you, you just, just a quick scroll through, let's see. I just wanna show you, if I can, you see the side there, how many pages this is, right? So this, this is the bill for the people. Mm -hmm. Supposed to address voter fraud issues. Um, it's supposed to address um, campaign finance, I think. So we're up to, Oh, good, good grief. I was wrong about the 600. So we're up to um, 791 pages, folks. So this bill is 791 pages. First of all, it's just my personal opinion that you should never trust legislation of any kind that is more than a few pages long, period. Because anything you're trying to address you can do that in, a, in under a few pages. Uh, the reason, there are many reasons to make a bill this long and, and my, my common sense tells me and historical precedent <clears throat> that uh, it's to hide, it's when you wanna, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> Wuhan. It's when you wanna, it's when you wanna hide something that you make a bill that long because first of all, most people don't have time to read legislation, don't do it anyway. Um, and then should they be hear about a piece of legislation like, you know, the, some of the absolutely illegal gun laws they're proposing, for example, and they're like, oh, I want to read that or a health care bill. Uh, I, oh, I want to read that. You know what I mean? Like, then they go and you know, they've got four kids to feed, they're exhausted from work and the bill is 688 pages. And not only that, but it makes reference 
to previous bills, to previous to different pieces of legislation, it, amendments. They they intentionally make it confusing. In my mind, there's only one reason why they would do that. Um, one important reason, anyway, and that is to shield people from from understanding uh, what all is in here. But let's go ahead and um, let's see if we can here. Hopefully, people can see this. So these are this is just a quick rundown. We're on GovTrack here. This is a quick rundown of um, whoops of bills and res uh, resolutions, and it tells you the ones that are trending. So the ones trending now are HR eight bipartisan background check act two twenty twenty one, and then of course HR one for the people act. So if you click on it here, it's um introduced by John Sarbanes, um, Maryland's third congressional district Democrat. Um, and they give this an 87% chance of passing. So what does it say in its overview? Well, here's what it says. Here's what they're saying. Uh, to expand Americans access to the ballot box, translation, you read even part of the bill and you realize what they're saying is anyone can vote. And when I say anyone, I literally mean anyone. You don't have to be from here. You don't have to, I mean, anyone can vote. Um, and they're even going to start considering allowing um, people under the age of 18 to vote. And the bill talks about making serious movements towards um, reaching out to young people and creating like little coalitions and teams and stuff to get people kind of amped up to vote, which on its face sounds like what a great thing, right? Yeah, you want to reach the young, you want to encourage them to participate in the democratic process. The only thing is that everything about this bill is designed um, to guarantee that the, the, the left never leaves power, to create a unitary state, super state. Um, that's exactly what they're doing. I guarantee you that uh, there's just no way that those little education groups or recruitment groups of youngins that they're going to have out there are going to be like, you know, espousing any alternative viewpoint, whether it's conservative, whether it's Green Party, whatever. It's going to focus on the core precepts, ideals, uh, I hate to even call them ideals, uh, of the far, far left, the Marxist left. Um, so expand Americans access to the ballot box, reduce the influence of big money in politics. Um, I'm going to translate that in my opinion. Of course, that sounds real good, right? Sure. We want big money out of politics. Uh, after all, you know, we don't want our representatives, our senators, our whomever elected officials beholden to interests that are not our interests. Um, and, you know, then they finance their campaigns. And then these people that are supposed to represent us are beholden to the people who put them there before they're beholden to us because they want to get reelected and because, you know, the people who funded them want some bang for their buck. So, of course, on its face, it sounds like a good thing that you'd want to reduce. If that's what that is, you would want to reduce or eradicate 
that altogether. But in my opinion, I'm going to guess, and I'll have to look more into it because I simply have not had time to read the 790 page bill. I'm going to guess that what they mean is certain contributions by certain people to organizations or parties, people with political beliefs that are not of the far left. Uh, now I could be completely wrong about that because it's like, then how do you enforce that? But I have to look at the legal, at the, well, yes, the legal, but the language of the bill. Um, do they define this? Uh, do they include, you know, a balanced perspective? If they do, okay, great. I retract my criticism, but I highly doubt that they do. I'll bet you that the language in there at least allows for an abuse of power. It says also to strengthen ethics rules for public servants. Again, sounds real good on its face. Strengthen ethics rules. Yeah. And to implement other anti-corruption measures for the purposes of fortifying our democracy and for other purposes. For other purposes should always leave you a little, give you a little pause, kind of like, you know, it did back in the day, like the phrase in the constitution alarmed a lot of uh, people during the constitutional convention in the 1780s, right? Um, late 1770s, 1780s, I forget. Um, the phrase, uh, Congress shall make all laws necessary and proper. A lot of people had a reaction to that. They're like, well, wait a second. <laughs> how, do, how the hell do you decide what's necessary and proper? I mean, if you're good with words and you're good at persuading people, you can throw just about anything into there and say, and, and qualify it as both necessary and proper or one or the other uh, enough that it qualifies. So, so, and for other purposes should be enough to make you question some things. All right, so their summary of the bill. For the People Act of 2021, this bill addresses voter access, election integrity and security, campaign finance and ethics for the three branches of government. Specifically, the bill expands voter registration. Uh, it says automatic and same day registration. Okay, there's huge problems with this. Huge problems with this. Um, same day registration? No, there should be a deadline. You should not just be able to show up and vote and guaranteed um, in this bill, I don't even have to speculate. I'm just going to say it's in there. And if it's not, I'm sorry. And I apologize in advance, but I'm pretty sure that uh, I can just be guaranteed that it's in there that you don't need any form of identification, whatever, to do this same day voter registration that they're saying here. I can guarantee that that's in here. You're just for act for ease of access and you know to prevent discrimination, you're not going to basically need to do anything, even prove who you are. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, you may not even need to say a thing except for show up and they just let you in. Uh, who knows if you even need to fill out any anything. Um, and voting access, uh, vote by mail, early voting. It also limits uh, removing voters from voter rolls. So again, right here, very problematic, right? Vote by mail and early voting. Vote by mail is a recipe for disaster regardless. Surely with the technology we have, even though that I'm sure is problematic too, a lot could be done with that. I don't, what I'm about to say here, I, I'm aware I know jack shit about tech and blockchain, but I'm wondering 
if there's a way, a secure so-called decentralized way, right? Blockchain tech, isn't that supposed to be decentralized? If I'm way off the beaten path here, feel free to slam me in the comments. Um, but you would think that there's a way, a decentralized way to allow us to do with this new technology, um, secure encrypted voting. So why would we need mail-in voting? You take the mail-in voting and put it next to, it also limits, limits removing voters from voter rolls. That's a huge problem. That's a huge problem. That's a larger than life problem. Um, what if you move? What if you die? What if, I mean, you might think that that's silly, but what it's saying is to me, and this might be like, some people might be like, well, you're such an idiot. Of course, you know, they don't mean in this case or that case. And again, I haven't read the bill. Maybe there's a list of stipulations. I just doubt it. Um, it means that for no reason can your name be removed from a voter roll. You know, you know, what if uh, what if you move states? What if it's just so obvious to me? It's like a barking cat that this leaves room. This essentially is language that leaves them room to do whatever needs to be done as the need arises to secure the vote for them and stay in power. To me, that just seems as easy as, I mean, to understand as anything. Uh, the bill requires the bill requires states to establish independent redistrict, redistricting commissions to carry out congressional redistricting. Okay, translation for you. Um, they want to find a way to uh, make all states blue. They want to find a way to do that. So, you know, even if I'm going to leave it there because I don't want to make too many inferences, but I want to know um, who these commissions are going to be comprised of, uh, who gets to pick them, what the rules are, what the limitations are, how much authority they have, what timeline are they going to be acting within, um, who are they accountable to. Uh, Where's all this information going to be? I'm sure that uh, hopefully it's somewhere in this behemoth of a bill. Um, you know, AOC actually put out a, a text when they were putting out that 5,000 page monstrosity, I think. And what did she say? She said, this is not legislation, this is hostage taking. It was one of the few instances that I can think of where I actually agreed with her. Well, AOC, like, where are you on this? Have you read this bill? You're, you say you're a woman of the people. You say you're a woman of the people. Have you read this? If you really were, you would be confident standing on your own principles and you wouldn't need to cheat. Additionally, the bill sets forth pr provisions related to election and uh, security, including sharing intelligence information with state election officials, supporting states and securing their election systems. Develop so to me, this to me, how I'm interpreting this just at the service level is um, they're gonna federalize things. So instead of letting the state, like the way the system works is that the states choose, ultimately choose the chief executive and whatnot. Um, and um, of course their representatives and 
to me, they're this this is a trans seems like a transfer of power through through creating a new bureaucratic system that's going to put more if not all of the control into federal hands at least by proxy but i could be wrong um developing a national strategy well, maybe i'm not wrong <laughs> to protect u.s domestic uh, democratic institutions oh right there you know you know when they say something like that that you fucked you know just like what did ronald reagan say back in the day you know it's it's and i'm paraphrasing here and maybe he was quoting someone else it's like whenever the government shows up and says we're here to help you know you're in trouble it's or or, or it's it's never a good thing historically it's never been a good thing when the government arrives and says hey we're here we're from the government and we're here to help you no they're not they're absolutely not um, establishing a legis uh, establishing in the legislative branch the national commission ooh, establishing in the legislative branch the national commission to protect the united states democratic institutions so to me this is going to be like the ministry of uh, you pick your ministries from 1984 um ministry of truth or the ministry of honesty the uh, integrity whatever uh it has the opposite agenda, I can guarantee that. And other provisions, oh, there we are again with that broad language, and other provisions to improve the cybersecurity of election systems. So, um, all right, so let's just finish up. Might as well read the rest of the summary. Further, as if this all weren't enough, there's more, hell yeah. Further, the bill addresses campaign finance, including uh, including by expanding the prohibition on campaign spending by foreign nationals, requiring additional disclosure of campaign-related fundraising and spending, requiring additional disclaimers regarding uh, certain political advertising, uh, and establishing an alternative campaign funding system for certain federal offices. Again, all sounds good on its face, but all you really need to do is kind of look at the nuance here to know that they're not talking about applying this on an even spread. Um, and it could just be me reading between the lines and my own bias, but I don't think so. And of course, the only way to know is to spend time reading this bill. Which seems, I read legislation, but Jesus, 790 pages, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. I frankly feel like the time I spent this morning with a finger up my ass. I still maintain that there might have been three, but that's whatever was more valuable than spending eight hours reading this bill. It's going to take me more than eight hours. Good Lord. Um, but I got to do it. Anyway, it's going to be the only way for me to really know. Until then, I'm going to look at this and say, you know, Disclosure of campaign related fundraising and spending requiring additional disclaimers regarding certain political advertising. What do they mean by that? What is the what is certain political advertising? Does that mean conservative advertising, libertarian advertising? Does that mean um, what does it mean? And establishing an alternative campaign fundraising system for certain federal offices. Again, is that a, an even spread? What is that implying? 
who is it targeting? The bill addresses ethics in all three branches of government. Oh, I'm sure that it does. I'm, I'm sure that it does, including by requiring a code of conduct for Supreme Court justices. Hmm, interesting. We'll have to look at what that code of conduct is. Maybe we'll make a list of things to search. You know, I'll, I'll pull from this summary, make a list of things to search the bill for uh, and see if that saves me some time. Uh, prohibiting members of the House from serving on the board of a for-profit entity. No, I can get behind that if it's actually for everybody. Uh, would have to look at all the facets of it. That's what critical thinking is, but sounds good and establishing additional conflict of interest and ethics provisions for federal employees and white house uh, and the white house again on its face that part sounds good but critical thinking requires you to run all of that language through the gambit you know through the process the who where what when how why uh, you know basically really run run it through put it through the ringer and see what you come out with uh, the bill requires the president, the vice president, certain candidates for those offices to disclose 10 years of tax returns. Um, I'm going to skip right over that from just anyway. I don't think they should have to do that regardless. I mean, I just assume they're all criminals. Um, but this bill, this bill is going to is going to pass now. I, what I wanted to also look at is you can tell people's reaction to it. Um, so let me see. Let me see if I can react with an emoji. No, I don't. I don't want to give it a smiley. I want to give it a pissed off. So there's 52 of those now 53. So 103 people plus 91 plus 71 plus 21, plus 17, plus 14. Looks like uh, you add all those up and those are the people that are digging it. Um, but let's go back real quick and I wanted to see if I could show you all something. So this is how you know, this website is available. This just gives you an idea of just how few people take the time or have the time or even know about this, right? HR 127, that's making big waves. It's only being tracked by 1,353 users. This bill should be, have the attention of 300 and how many Americans are there? Of every breathing American above the age of like 14 should be interested in, in so many of these bills. Uh, HR 1, this essentially destroys us from what I'm being told, like it, it, it destroys what the final vestiges of our system of representative constitute limit a limited representative constitutional government. Uh, apparently, from the critics point of view, this bill just chokes chokes the life out of what's left of that. You would imagine if that's true. Um, I mean, even those that are championing it, you know, um, that there would be lots of people following it under a thousand people. So this is a, an immense resource. I know it's laborious to look through all this stuff, believe me, but it couldn't be more important. Now, a lot of the stuff that impacts our life, like 
is coming from think tanks like you know the great reset we're going to talk way more about that another time it's coming from from the big dogs who ultimately influence this here legislation um so you might think if you're if you know that you might think that coming here is a, a waste anyway because congress is mostly ceremonial which is true but they're ceremonial because they're being fed this line of um policy and whatnot and here's where it, it plays out and it still does so and calling them and letting them know that you're aware of this stuff still makes a difference i'll never forget during the first bailout in 2008 um watching on c-span we started a massive campaign of calling congress people and telling them not to vote for that bailout don't do it don't do it and under the pressure of their constituents i remember watching on c-span as that bill was defeated it worked. The process worked. Millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of Americans. It was a just a deluge of of calls and um, and uh, you know I remember uh, was it Representative Burgess from Texas? He was a representative I think for the first district in Texas during that time. I could be wrong, but he you know he got. There was a video that you could probably still find on him of YouTube saying, you know, as a duly elected representative of nearly 700 or 900,000 Texans, North Texans, I've never been kicked out of so many meetings or silenced so many times. They were going to get that bill. The establishment was going to get that bill passed no matter what. So what did they do? They came back a few days later, uh, as Chris Dodd said, you know, Christopher Dodd, senator from Connecticut at the time, uh, said, um, you know, we added some sweeteners to it some incentives and they they rammed it through and got it passed essentially they were going to do it no matter what so um i realized that knowing that it can be like what's the point well we should have come back at them with an even stronger effort instead you know like we like we tend to do and i understand because you know you're working full time and you're busy with life and it's kind of i feel the same way it's like what can one person uh one regular human being do well, the fact of the matter is we can do a whole lot you know had we come back at them with you know the same amount of gusto and vigor uh during that bailout or even more so um it would have been defeated again now ultimately sure it may have passed but we could have given them way more of a run for their money and let them know that we're awake and that may have given the establishment pause about acting in certain ways on other issues you know uh but instead we didn't we laid down like you know itty bitty babies um uh fully pussified you know pardon my french but my dad used to say when i was uh growing up and um he was totally 100 right even if it offends you i don't give a shit live with it um what we're what we were dealing with in the 90s as it played out and what we've got full throttle now is the absolute pussification of a nation um absolute pussification of a nation uh everything's about feelings everything's about you know uh calling you know i, I mean i feel like you know we're always on the verge of, of calling nine wah wah for the for the ambulance to come uh the ambulance come take you to, to, the, to the hospital so that you can get your tears looked at and you know now get a a covid test and maybe some fresh masks and you feel real good taken care of i don't even know where i was going with that all right so HR one, we're going to get back to that. 
real quick. Let's see here if um let's see here if I can pull up that other thing. Good old Pierce. Pierce Morgan. So he had it out with um with what's her face there with the uh, I don't know some chick on British TV. And I don't know that people can see this. I don't know if I'm sharing my screen correctly, but do we want to play the clip from, you know what? Let's see if we can. Let's see if we can play the clip. The Bachelor. I don't give a shit about The Bachelor. Um, see if we can play the clip from America has thought. Oh, God damn it. Skip. All right. Anything about you since she cut? Oh, Jesus. Oh, it's no. I, it's not what I wanted to see. Oh, 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 oh. All right. It's Meghan Markle. Well, that's a I wouldn't believe it if she read me a weather report. And the fact that she's fired up this, this onslaught thoughts. against our royal family, I think is contemptible. Well, it was that tirade against Meghan. All Meg right. I don't give a shit. Um, basically, I appreciate, I don't like the guy in a lot of ways. His stance on, on gun control, his, some of his, I find some of his uh, opinions abhorrent, but I was really truly impressed um, by his stance on free speech. He said, you know, on his uh, tweet, I didn't want this to take me to my Twitter page, but it happened, okay. Um, he said um, on Monday, I said, I don't believe Meghan Markle in her Oprah interview. I've had time to reflect on this opinion and I still don't. If you did, okay. Freedom of speech is a hill I'm happy to die on. Thanks for all the love and hate. I'm off to spend more time with my opinions. And he quoted Winston Churchill here. Um, and I think it's brilliant. Um, now, unfortunately, would he quote many other Winston Churchill quotes that are important? Probably not, but Anyway, some people's idea of free speech is that they are free to say what they like. But if anyone says anything back, that is an outrage. Today, I would say that's the left's idea of free speech. Um, but they don't even believe in free speech. They just believe they are right. You know, I know there was a book written in the 90s on the economy. It's more complicated than that, but it was called... Um, PBS did a series of documentaries, I think, on it called The Commanding Heights. And I forget the authors. You all know I'm bad with names, remembering them, pronouncing them, whatever. Um, but um, the, you know, uh, the commanding heights I think of are the people, whomever they are, who are cranking out this narrative, this woke bullshit. Um, and uh, they're probably the same cadre of people uh, promoting things like the For the People Act. So anyhow, that is my spiel for today. Um, this is a bonus episode anyway. I am going to get down to the brass tacks and try to look at some of this crap in HR 1, the For the People Act. And remember, I know it's really messy, but 
when when Nancy's teeth come a clacking, you're in for a whacking. That sounded really filthy. <laughs> Sorry, that's not how I meant it. Or is it? It's been a weird morning. All right, everyone, be safe, stay blessed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a bonus episode of The Space. Zayna here. It is Wednesday, March 10th, 2021. Sometimes even just saying that is kind of crazy. Especially lately, I've been, you know, waxing all nostalgic and shit over the 1990s. And there's a lot of reasons for that, man. In fact, there's going to be a section on the website when it comes out dedicated exclusively to the 1990s. It's going to be like a room full of just 90s stuff. And I don't give a shit if I'm the only one in there. <laughs> um, so first, before we get started with the serious stuff, HR1, um, apologize for the, the shitty background. It almost looks like I'm a glow. Got to get a real green screen. Right now, playing it cheap. It, by the way, I'm always going to do that. Let's pretend that like Harris and I really hit it big and like our, our shit takes off and we can afford all the stuff in the world. What you're, what you're gonna see from us is like maybe some mild upgrades, but largely still like pretty straightforward, routine, regular stuff that's not fancy in nature. You know, we'll do what we need to do, but like, I always wanna keep it, keep it real for a couple of reasons. One, I'm stupid. Like I'm not stupid, stupid, but I'm stupid when it comes to using this kind of stuff. Two, I just want to keep it, you know, honest and real. And um, okay, if I'm keeping it honest and real, number two would really be that, like, I don't have the time to do a lot of the shit that, like, the fancy shit requires you to do. Anyway, I'm off the beaten path. Um, the background is because, uh, you know, I've got a little bit of a funny story. Tuesdays are normally going to be bonus material somewhere down the line for, uh, for members and people who are contributors and supporters. And when I say somewhere down the line, I don't know if that's like two weeks or a year or whatever, uh, but it'll be kind of crazy stories. Uh, definitely adult content. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, and then at the end, the listeners can decide whether or not the story was real. A lot of times it will be, don't judge. Um, for real, when you hear this stuff, don't judge. And then sometimes it won't be. And uh, the listeners will get to decide once we actually have them, <clears throat> should that happen. So anyway, anyway, went this morning. Uh, I'm at that pivotal age, apparently, where it's really important to get your prostate checked. Now, I know, I know the seriousness of this. I'm being dead serious when I say that. Uh, good dear friends of my parents uh, lost <clears throat> lot of, they have their neighbors, but they're very, very close friends. Um, lost a, a friend to prostate cancer, I think, gosh, now seven, eight years ago. And uh, it was a terrible 
like journey for him and you know whatever uh we all got to go but it was it was bad so needless to say i understand that you know getting checked out is important however i think that uh, if everything's you know running okay you shouldn't really need to get a prostate exam because uh let me tell you starting your morning off with a finger up your ass is a weird experience um it's, it's a most unpleasant experience it really is so for me here's kind of like what the morning looked like i slept really well last night for the first time in a while i slept i slept like a baby like like a deep purifying sleep it was it was really fantastic it was tough to get up i almost didn't make it to the appointment on time um so i swung through starbucks and i grabbed a coffee shame to even say that I went to Starbucks, but whatever, it was on the way. And uh, I'm sitting in, in the waiting room, of course, you know, got a mask up and do all that ridiculous nonsense. Uh, but whatevs, I'm like one of the only people in that waiting room across the waiting room, there's somebody waiting. And that's about that's about it. Um, and I realized that I'm gonna have to, to do this, you know, this check. Um, and in the morning time, you know, I have a routine and, and to be really blunt about it, the routine goes a little something like this. I wake up, a stretch and hike if there's time. Uh, then I, uh, you know, I have some health stuff. So I have medicine I have to take, I take medicine. I have a very strong cup of coffee and usually some oatmeal. And then I take just a, a doozy of a twosie man like i mean like i have a fucking bowel movement like sh the shit that goes down in there no pun pun intended i guess i mean it's like sometimes as it's happening i'm kind of like i hope the house is going to be okay you know um hope we're all going to get get through this but uh so that's my morning and, you know i just i flush my system out man yeah i really probably should do like one of them 10-day cleanses there's a lot going on in there uh, but so I didn't have a chance to do that, but part of what like moves everything along is the coffee. So I'm sitting in the waiting room and obviously I've got my mask on, but on the way from the Starbucks to the clinic, I've had, you know, like a third of that cup of coffee. So things are starting to happen. Now I haven't had the oatmeal, it's on an empty stomach and I can't tell you which is which the worst, but, uh, I had a ton of gas. So like, you know, nonchalantly, I'm kind of sitting in the waiting room and, and I'm trying to let go some of some of this gas without people noticing. And luckily there's only that one, a one, you know, woman <clears throat> or whatever she wants to call herself in 2021, it's impossible to know. Um, um, sitting over by the window. Uh, and, uh, and, and so I know she can't smell it. Although as I start to release, I'm like, I don't know. Um, it, it really, it smells like a thousand rotting fucking corpses. It was pretty bad, but it was silent, you know? So I was just trying to like lift myself up a little, you know, and let it out because I was, you know, I've never had a finger up my ass before, uh, not even for funsies. And uh, it's just not my thing. And um, and so like it was like oh, I'd be really embarrassed if like you know something happens. Um, 
Needless to say, I do the, the doctors running behind as usual. So, you know, I, I do this move a few times and, you know, I let, I let some stuff out. Uh, and, and, you know, and then when the nurse comes out, she comes out, she calls me, I crop dust along the way, uh, and I'm in a pretty good spot. Now it wasn't altogether terrible, although there was a point where I felt like maybe there was more than one finger happening. I don't know if anybody else has experienced that. Is it supposed to be just one finger or is it customary for there to be three? Uh, I mean, there were gloves, obviously. Uh, so, I mean, maybe, maybe just big fingers. I've never paid, I mean, he's been my physician for years, but never paid that close much attention to, to whether or not he has, you know, ballpark Frank hot dog fingers, you know, or, or just regular old like fingers like mine, you know, like regular, regular fingers. Um, anyway, um, I'm off the beaten path, you know, I guess what I'm saying is all went well, you got to get it done. Uh, I didn't, I didn't like it. I'm, I don't want to ever repeat the process. Uh, even in the most kinky of situations that may arise, just going to say, uh, I'm never going to voluntarily do that. <clears throat> and if anybody knows whether or not it's typical to, ha to have more than one finger up there, um, you know, just feel free to let me know, drop a comment. I I'm just curious. I'm, I'm just curious. So, all right. So now um, we're going to segue into, um, into something very important to talk about real quick. Uh, and that is going to be this HR one. Uh, and I also want to talk about Pierce Morgan. I think I'm pronouncing it right now. That this is not a guy that I normally like. Um, but I want to talk about his appearance on um, like Good Morning Britain or whatever it was. Um, and uh, regarding free speech and his response, um, and then try to talk briefly about HR one. And, uh, and then we'll kind of wrap it up for today. 